I say. Hey, girls and gays. Hey, girls and gays. Welcome back to another episode of I Shared What I Shared. I have to. I have to. I miss it. This is the podcast where we close the gap between who we are and who we want to be. And where we are and where we want to be. Today, it's funny. Who are you? Oh, I'm Mukundwa. And? And I'm your host. And I am your co-host with the most that remembers all the important things. Nyakwezi. Welcome. The people's princess. I feel like we say, yeah, this podcast is about closing the gap between who you who want to be. And then we just talk about eating ass from the back. About That's who we want to be. Well, today <laughs> we have a very on-brand topic. Finally. Yes, we do. But first, how are you? How are you under COVID-19? I am thriving. Are you thriving this mm-hmm. week? Yeah. Or- Especially, so since my revelations about um, dieting, diet culture, uh, eating dis- eating disorders, disordered eating, and um, how I'm basically being, <laughs> yeah, how I've been brainwashed, um, and now moving into like acceptance of who I am, where I am, um, and trusting myself, um, it's been really, really wonderful. It's been such a therapeutic exercise for me to start trusting myself again with my body, with my food with my decisions like and I didn't understand the ripple effects of my whole life long story short that is why I'm thriving mm-hmm. yeah and and you know what and COVID has given me the space to do that because we've been in isolation you've been the only person that I have to interact with and so I've really been able to like hide away from the world and just like nurture myself which is wonderful mm-hmm. yeah good for you thank That's you lovely thank you how are you I'm I'm good I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, the fervor at which I organized Zoom calls in the first two weeks of um, lockdown, mm. it came as quick as it left. Like, I, I don't really, <laughs> that's, it's, it's just not been happening as much. Um, yeah, and but I'm okay. I feel like I need, I just do need less contact mm-hmm. with my loved ones. Um, Funny, because you're in my face all the time. Yeah, that's a different category. Okay. But I'm well. I'm well. Look, I tried a new recipe today. Um, I'm just eating well. Mm. I'm eating well. I've really introduced butter into my diet mm-hmm. and I'm loving it. The people knew what they were doing when they made yeah, butter. Yeah, like animal, just animal fats. Mm. God snapped yeah. when he's like, let's throw some fat on that bitch. <laughs> Give these humans something to milk. And I just hope when the aliens are roasting us, they're like, listen. What part of your body do you think would be the most tasty? Oh, definitely my bum and my thigh. Mm. I agree, actually, your bum. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the back Mm. of my thigh specifically, like I really think. Oh, legs. Yeah. Yeah. For me, my hands would make a really good starter. They would. Can I just say also your cheeks would be like... I actually don't feel uncomfortable to discuss. Let's finish up. Yeah, my hands, my cheeks, that's about it. Okay. I think I'd actually be delicious nearly all over. I think so. I think it's my have sweet skin. I have, I can tell I'm sweet meats. Yeah, I'm, I'm sweet more meats. like tofu. You've got to really marinate me and mm. then I give you, then I give back. Mm. But Mukunda's sweet I'm meats. I'm a sweet meat. Yeah, yeah, she really is. Nice yeah. and pink on the inside. I see. I'm pork. I'm actually pork. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> I, I, we were in the shop the other day and I put on a jersey and I'm like, oh my God, Nyak, I feel like a goat. I look like a goat. <laughs> and I was so happy. And this woman looked at me and like, laughed at me laughing and i was like we both had to be like no that's a we were like that's a good, good thing. thing okay i like looking like a goat and she's like well you mean a kid and we're like yeah, yeah whatever well we all had masks on so we couldn't yeah. really 
I looked, yeah, anyway. She looked amazing. I did. I did look like a goat. Yeah. Um, so today, I asked on Instagram, I think one thing I do just continuously struggle with, I think part of a symptom of my toxic positivity is that I don't give myself space to mourn and to grieve and to mm. just allow myself to feel negative emotions. That's just not my brand. And that extends to my loved ones, mm-hmm. um, particularly friends. Um, essentially, if I don't give myself the space to feel down, to be hopeless, to just sit in sad emotions, it is so hard for me to give that to people when they ask it for me because I don't give it to myself. Mm-hmm. So I asked the timeline for help. I said, people who especially are spiritual or religious, because I am spiritual, how do you comfort your friends who have different belief systems or no belief systems? Because for me, as somebody who, when I talk to people who are Christian, I can tell them, I'll pray for you or with you on this issue. And I do. That's um, a really similar way. We have a similar way of dealing with things. We Mm -hmm. take it to the spiritual realm when the physical is not enough. And for spirituality, we also have a language. Mm -hmm. We talk about attraction, um, vibration, alignment. And so I have another way of comforting by surrendering to the kind of all-encompassing source, other, God. Now, with my friends, 99% of my friends are kind of agnostic. At least that's how I perceive them. And it becomes difficult because I don't know what language, if someone's saying, I've reached the end, nothing's working, I don't really know how to, usually I don't have to hold space. I can just be spiritual and like focus my energies, but holding space is more being accepting and being present rather than being solution oriented. Mm. So did some two interviews. The first one is with Alicia and she discusses how she holds space for herself and wants her friends to hold space for her as she deals with a chronic illness what support she appreciates, what support she cautions, and essentially how to hold space in healthy ways in from both parties. So the person holding space for the person needing space held. And the second interview is with Misha. And she is discussing as a, a medical practitioner and a Christian, how she holds space for others and the tensions she grapples with within herself and her faith and um, with her friends of faith and who aren't. So these are really interesting interviews. I think the intention of this episode is really just, I'm trying to f- discover how to hold space more. And, um, and these two interviews just really expound on the ways other, the creative ways people are kind of looking at this topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So should we dive right in with let's, Alicia's? Let's do it. Let's do it. She has a great voice. Listen, I didn't know whether this, I didn't know how to even get into that. Yeah. Really I had to cool. focus so many times it's because beautiful. her voice is butter. something else. Yeah. It's butter. It's butter and brown sugar. You know, when you whip it, that's like right. hard. Yeah. And then put like an organic label. <laughs> that shit will sell. All of that. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy. We've got the lovely Alicia, who has agreed to be interviewed by us um, to discuss essentially what are the ways in which friends offer help that is conducive and useful and appreciated and ways where it's not appreciated and actually a little offensive. So um, Alicia has, you have a chronic illness, is that correct? Yeah, so I have PMDD. PMDD, what's that? 
premenstrual dysphoria disorder. So it's mm-hmm. it's at this point with the um with the what's the word? knowledge that's out there like with the very little things that they've done science-wise to figure out what causes it and everything like that they've determined that it's a sensitivity to the fluctuations of your hormones so every cycle i go a little nuts (laughs) really what does nuts look like for me it's uh suicidal ideation uh Mm. it's a lot of uh brain fog so i can't think the same way when Mm. i'm like deep in it um a lot of low self-esteem physical wise my joints hurt uh i get really bloated i can get really fatigued mm. i have sensitivity to light sound touch oh like it's it manifests in different ways for different people but i have a very like severe case of it so and how many days does that last for uh so again everyone is different my overall cycle is about 23 days Five of those days I'm bleeding. It's like my actual menstruation and I'm yeah. A-OK. Those are the best days of the week, even though, uh, you know, cramps yeah. and everything like that. Uh, and then my the bad part of my cycle, which is in the luteal phase, the last part of it can range anywhere from like eight to 14 days. But 14 days is like my go. Yeah. Is that debilitating? Like, does that affect? Yeah. And I went a long time without an actual diagnosis so I didn't even mm. know I thought I like you know a lot of people get misdiagnosed with bipolar just rapid cycling uh, rap- rapid cycling bipolar people get diagnosed with just general depression anxiety and stuff like yeah. that so it was a long road for me to get to where I am and I only got a diagnosis when I was 23 and I'm 25 now so hectic yeah that must have been such a relief though because you must have really t- been wondering what the fuck is going on with my body with myself oh yeah did you have any so did this start when you started menstruating yeah since i was 11 i've experienced these symptoms but for me it was difficult because i've had like various trauma markers so every time that i had like the rapid cycling depression and everything else i was always attributing it to something that had happened in my life as opposed to thinking that it's something within me you know and did you think everyone lived like this? Did you know you you were experiencing something different? Like, was oh, this normal to you? Yeah, no, I knew from a very young age that I was experiencing someone something different. But I was never mm. able to find anyone that, you know, connected with me on it. Uh, mm. Like, even my sister, we're a year apart. Her, she only just started getting cramps a couple of years ago. <laughs> Before that, it was okay, like, oh, okay, I'm bleeding. Yeah. Like, very yeah, different yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. experiences. Uh, so for most of my life, I kept to myself a lot because I would feel so different and my sense of reality would be kind of off for two weeks every month, yeah. pretty much, right? Yeah. And yeah, so it was it was very difficult, like being a teenager with that. But yeah. I, when I actually got out of a lot of the cycles of my trauma markers, so when I actually was like, oh, my life is pretty good I have everything I'm on track and I was still having those moments those low moments that suicidal ideation that would last two weeks I realized okay wait there's something else here like there's something biological Mm. that has never been pinpointed before yeah yeah do you find do any of your friends struggle with the fact that this is an invisible illness like do you think do you can you see lapses in people's understanding or care or handling of you sometimes 
these days with my friends, not so much because I have become so well versed in it. And I, okay. I've just take, done a lot of work to figure out my own cycle and how it manifests in me and what I can do in my coping mechanisms. When yeah. I was growing up, though, and I didn't have anything, it was definitely hard because I yeah. thought it was just feeling suicidal. So I try to talk to my friends about it and it would just it would always kind of like hit a wall. Well, look at your life or look how thing, mm. good things are. And mm. like, I'm really lucky that a person I can lean on to a lot is my dad, uh, but he's a very solutions based <laughs> person. Oh my, what's his star sign? Uh, what's mine or what's his? Both. My, I'm a Gemini. He's a Libra. Uh huh. As is my sister. So okay. he's a very okay. practical person. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm naturally all over the place with my emotions. So this just like puts it to another <laughs> level, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, interesting. these days, my friends, because I know, because I'm more yeah. uh, aware, I can explain to them, oh, I'm having a really bad week. I just probably won't talk to you for a bit, but don't take it personally or something like that. Like I can actually okay. communicate with them. Yeah. Do you resent, do you ever resent having to do that? Having to not only experience this, but then be the person who like manages people, ma- help help people. You manage people so they can manage you by telling them, hey, this week it's a no. Mm-hmm. okay now i'm back now it's a no like does that get how, do you take that in your stride or is that exhausting it is very exhausting but it's better than feeling like i'm going crazy and not understanding why i can't keep relationships whether it's you know like friendship Shit. or you know love or like platonic or yeah. anything like that because before I would minimize myself. Like if I was having a bad day, I'd be like, I'd just say to myself, you know, this person needs me here. This person needs me there. And I'd just mm. be there. And it most of the time wouldn't end up very well because I'm not in the right headspace to be there. Whether it's just like to go out and have fun and watch a movie. And then I end up crying mm. because I have flashbacks in the middle of a movie theater or, yeah. <laughs> or just like going yeah. to a place to hang out. Like it's, it's so difficult. Like there will be times when I can't even leave my house because the anxiety is so bad. And like, how do you explain yeah. that to a friend when you don't even know what's going on? So I think there was a lot of resentment before, but these days, it like it's really just better than the alternative because at least yeah. now I can maintain yeah. friendships and you know experience myself romantically outside of my head yeah 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 <laughs> so what's your expectation now that all your friends you're well versed your friends are well versed mm-hmm. in what's happening with you what is your expectation for how they treat you when you're unwell or when you need um their emotional availability mm-hmm. so what do you expect from them? I'll touch the first one. When they tell they treat me when I'm unwell, I've gotten to the point with really close friends. I can just say, hey, I'm feeling really suicidal. I'm obviously not going to do it. Well, I won't say obviously because sometimes it gets close, but I'll say I don't, I'm not going to do anything, uh, but I just need to step away from a conversation or I just, I'm going to be alone by myself for like two days. Like don't take it personally. Uh, that's a huge thing because a, a lot of things before people would take personally when I'm not available or I'm not ready to talk or I can't even explain why I'm feeling so low. Uh, mm. So that's how I deal with it when I'm unwell or I just like isolate myself on, like on my by myself. Yeah. Uh, like without a prompt, you know, I don't communicate it, but then they've kind of gotten to the flow of it. Um, mm. One of my really good friends, she's she's a very... Uh, inquisitive person so part of her way of supporting me is just asking me questions and I really appreciate it because it's not coming from a place of pity mm. I hate pity yeah. so much um yeah or those empty 
uh, words like, oh, you're so strong. Think of all the times you've made it through this and everything like that. And that's great and all. But really, the way that I look at this chronic illness is that it's never going to get better. There are literally going to be uh-huh. times when I want to jump off a building. Like, it, it's just going to happen. But mm. my two options are I either become desensitized to it, which is not good for me because then I'm not doing the work. I'm not educating myself. I'm not mm. keeping up with, like, the journals that come out in the scientific reviews and all that stuff. Or I just stay the course and develop better coping mechanisms, change them when I need to change them, invest in them when they're working for me, you know? How do you know when to, at what point, and like, how do you know when to, I, I'm trying to find other words. Mm-hmm. So you've said that it's not going to get better. Yeah. How do you know when to quote unquote, give, give up and live alongside it versus um, continuously hoping? How did you make that decision or how did that happen? Yeah, I spent, when I first like self-diagnosed, I spent a lot of time hoping because I would read stories about people who got on the perfect blend of antidepressant and birth control and everything like that. But I've exhausted every like pill out there that's known to yeah. help with it. I've tried antidepressants. I've tried birth control. I've tried, um, I haven't tried like the medication that they give for bipolar. I can't remember. Is that antipsychotics? I don't want to give the wrong word, but I've, I've tried it all. And At every step when I felt hopeful, it would all fall apart because I'd have horrendous side effects. Birth control Mm. either made me bleed heavily for seven days to the point where I was fatigued and I couldn't function, I couldn't go to work, or made my Mm. mood swings so intense that like, I had to be hospitalized twice because of suicidal ideation. So I hopped off of that. I went on uh, antidepressants and I had a really bad experience where my doctor was really, really shit. And wouldn't refill my prescription because it was just an outpatient clinic. It wasn't like my own personal doctor. So I had to go yeah. cold turkey off of 150 milligrams of Effexor, which he shouldn't have had me on because it was my first time trying it. And so like at every step where I've had hope to get better with a medication, yeah, it's yeah. fallen apart. So now I'm at the point where I, I don't trust the, the, the healthcare system as, as okay as it is here, you know. And I've been lucky that I could have tried all those things without much money out of my own pocket. And you're in Canada? Yeah, yeah, I'm in Canada. Sorry, yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. So now I'm at the point where, for me, it doesn't make sense to hope. I know that two weeks out of every 23 days, I'm not going to feel like myself. It's going to be hard to, you know, keep a sense of reality, to know why people are important to me. Like, everything just becomes distant. Um, So it's a matter of just keeping my life as chill as I can writing down Mm. things because I forget um Mm. I don't know it's just I I don't have I don't have the privilege to hope anymore after trying everything that I've tried Uh you know uh (laughs) well that's an interesting one you don't have the privilege to hope so I come along one of your friends and I'm like listen you have to try ginseng ginseng root (laughs) is bitch if you chew this shit for 22 days so when people come up to you with that kind of thing yeah what's i want to play a bit of a devil's ad what if that's what if if i believe that's the thing like i know you've tried everything okay alicia but look i found this thing and i just i think you should try it can people approach you with that kind of thing how do you feel about people trying to offer solutions who aren't medical professionals but love you Mm -hmm. or aren't invested 
what's that you know how, how do you should they straddle a line or not offer at all like how does that look I from from like a friendship perspective I really appreciate it because it's like okay you've actually listened to the challenges that I've ha- I've I'm having and outside of whatever conversation you decide to look into something you decide to do research and this is what you're bringing back to me I will always appreciate that but where it's a boundary for me is I've I'm, I've reached my limit with trying new, whether they're, um, whether it's natural, like herbal, whether it's a supplement or like an actual, you know, pharmaceutical, I've reached my limit with trying things, you know? So if they can accept the fact that even though I appreciate it, that's a boundary and I'm not going to go down that road, you know, then I'm cool with it. Yeah. Yeah. And for the most part, that's been fine. Like people understand it's because also mm. most of my friends, I don't try to hide the challenges that I've had. I will talk about it freely. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I used to hide it. Do you it. believe in yeah. that thing about hiding it? Okay. So there's this thing. Do you remember? I don't know if you're on Twitter. Are you? No, I can't. I don't no, understand. Okay. There was, it. <laughs> it's hectic. It's intense. I, I missed out on like three years and I can't keep up anymore. It's gone, <laughs> right? It's dead. It's canceled. Mm. But there was this thing where this person said, we need to start being more sensitive to our friends and if we're going through a hard time, let's assume everyone else's. So before we emotionally offload in quotations, um, we should ask, mm-hmm. do you censor yourself or is there any kind of format around how you discuss your life and half, really half? I mean, you said 23 days, no, four, 12, 14 two days weeks? out of every 23 days. So 14 days is when I'm right. like in the thick of it. Yeah. 14 so that's essentially half of your life right (laughs) if that is your life story Mm -hmm. um do you communicate it any which way you see fit or do you feel you have to check in do you ever feel guilty how do you manage that if at all yeah it depends on the relationship that i have with the person um Mm -hmm. i feel guilty a lot when it comes to family because they as much as i'm open with my friends about like the challenges that i've been through and and just the things that have happened to me, I don't have that same level of openness with my family. And not because I don't think they understand. They would understand. It's just, it's a huge vulnerability thing. And I really appreciate the role I have in my family. <laughs> mm. uh, and the few times, like like I said, I can talk to my dad. I can even tell him when I'm feeling suicidal. And that's like mm. a big, that's like, that was a huge jump for me to just that's tell big. him. Uh yeah. But like I said, he's a solutions-based person. My sister is younger than me, so I feel bad like offloading onto her in any type of way, which is a me complex mm. for sure. Because she's when she when I need her, she is there. Uh, yeah. So there, there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame that I'm still working through, um, and hopefully, like I can get to a place where I can share more things. But there's just stuff mm. that they'll never know, and I've already accepted that. And it doesn't seem to affect yeah. our relationship. They know that I have a hard time. They obviously know that I was hospitalized and stuff like that. So. They have enough to be able to interact with me and know what I've been through, not the details. Uh, so, yeah, with them, it's a lot of guilt and shame. With my friends, it used to be a lot of guilt until I just started opening up about things. Like, hey, uh, you know, I felt like I was going to kill myself. I'm not going to do it. Uh, let's just hang out tomorrow. <laughs> I'll still be here yeah, kind of yeah. thing, you know. Yeah. But when I would try to – or even one of my biggest things is dissociation. So – Mm-hmm. that would affect my romantic relationships a huge a lot because when I'm dissociated I cannot I don't I can understand the role that someone plays like I can pinpoint and say this is a friend this is my sister but I don't know why I care anymore 
like I just I lose connection to all that stuff and I have the memories still but I have no emotional connection to them so there used to be a lot of resentment to myself because I'd be like why can't I feel anything for this person that I know means so much to me but I, I just can't feel it and I used to not communicate that to people, but I found that since I've started communicating at first, it's like a huge thing because they're like, wait, you don't care right now? You know? Yeah. Um, but as I've... God, I've got a million questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As I've become more well-versed in like even dissociation and just like, just in how it manifests with me, because sometimes it'll last a whole two weeks. Sometimes it'll just be an hour on and off. Like it depends. Uh, how do you even know when you're dissociating? Sometimes I can feel it coming on because I I like I can't I can't feel my body. It's like I lose the sensation. Like if I touch something, I'm like okay, but all I can feel is the bones within my body. If that makes sense, like it's such a weird feeling. It's like all the sensation just comes inwards. Okay, Mm -hmm. and I get lost in my head. And usually my brain is like going at a mile a minute. Like I'm thinking about a thousand different things. But when I dissociate, my brain turns off. And it's quiet and it's eerie. And I'm just like, oh, oh, what's happening? Like, it, it yeah. it's very uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and quite often it'll happen, like, after flashbacks or after just, like, not even a flashback, just remembering something triggering. It'll just, I'll mm. just automatically shut down. Mm. Yeah. So that's caused a lot of uh, issues, mainly because I don't recognize it. And someone's like, well, why are you acting so different? And I'm like, what are you talking yeah. about? I'm the same person. And then I'll have to like check in with yeah. my body and realize, oh, I've actually been dissociated for the past like two hours. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. And are you spiritual or relig- or what's your, where are you on the spectrum? At this point, I'm at a place where I believe that there's some type of something, but I don't necessarily believe in religion in itself. I read religious texts because I think there's a lot of things to learn from them. But just the same way, like any book that exists, you can learn lessons from people communicating with each other. So that's kind of where mm-hmm. I am with that. Yeah. So when people say, oh, you, oh, the higher power, it, this is all lead. I'm like, shut, please don't. Please don't. Like, I <laughs> you don't. You tell them to move. Yeah. <laughs> I'm screaming. I'm screaming. So if somebody offered to pray for you. So <laughs> if someone offered to pray for me, it's, again, one of those things where I, I I understand where they're coming from and I will not take offense yeah. because I know that this is how they're showing me that they care, how they love. But as long as they're willing to accept that for me, it's not something that I think will help, then we're cool. I'll always be here for someone expressing their, uh, just like their love languages, I guess that would kind of be one. I'm always here yeah. for people expressing the way that they need to, even if it doesn't service me because I can understand what they're trying to communicate, you know? Wow, that's really mature. <laughs> hmm. That's really mature. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't you be offended? Because it mostly comes from a place of like, I've been so misunderstood because of everything that I go through regularly. And sometimes some it's it's a lot less emotional energy for me to recognize someone's intentions and communicate why maybe it wasn't the best way of going about it even though i understand than to tell people regardless of your intentions that was a shit thing to do you know like that's just it's so much more taxing to do that yeah yeah it is wow but have you always been like that yeah 
I used to be okay. like that to a fault where I'd accept someone else's reality as fact right away. Like if they say this okay. is what it is, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah, maybe that's exactly what it is. <laughs> and I just yeah. minimize, minimize, minimize myself. But at a, I'm at a place where I'm really, really trying to respect my own inner values, my priorities, but knowing that that doesn't have to trump someone else's because the ways that I've seen it, uh, seen people act on that, especially my friends, like when I was in university and stuff like that, they mm. always felt the need to squash someone else's reality and make them like, you have to accept that this is what it is, even if you feel bad about it. And I hate that mm. because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just not nice at a very base of it. It's just like, why not do the work to actually connect with someone instead of tearing them down hmm. so if yeah yeah wow and do you think okay alicia is is positivity a privilege what do you think about mm. there's a lot of positivity is a brand mm-hmm. at the moment yeah. not owned by anyone in particular mm-hmm. but certainly a thing mm. um yeah just is it is it a privilege what's your relationship to positivity thoughts i think i think it's a huge huge privilege uh i used to try to just be positive like wake up in the morning wow today's a great day look in the mirror you're beautiful Mm. kind of thing and that just doesn't work for me and i think the big switch for me happened when i started working from home because before if i left the house and i was having a really bad day i'd have to shut it all down and just pretend like everything is fine i'm doing a great job ah but then when I started working from home, if I was having a bad day where like I was literally crying from the mm. minute I woke up and I had no hope left and I was just like, well, maybe at the end of the day, it's just mm. over for me. I started realizing I can still get my work done even if I'm bawling at my computer. Like I would be typing and just crying and be like, this life sucks, but still sending wow. emails, you know? <laughs> Productive sis. And that yeah. was like, yeah. that was like a huge uh, thing for me where yeah. I'm like, I don't have to be positive. I just need to get through this day. And if that's all I can do, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. There's a huge, huge privilege to be able to wake up and say, well, even for me to be able to wake up and say, I have my own apartment, I have a car and all that stuff. I recognize a privilege in that, but I don't have to be positive about it all the time. I don't have to always have to be happy-go-lucky, you know, just because there are people that have less and maybe even more positive. Like, I just, <sighs> yeah, positivity, positivity ebbs and flows. It doesn't have to be something you live by. I don't think so at all. That's really interesting. Mm. That's so what have you considered? Like, what do you reckon? And this is a question I'd have regardless, I think, of your illness. Mm -hmm. But what do you think you're living for? Mm. I think the only thing that really keeps me going at this point is I'm just curious. Because I get into some shit, I get into some situations where I'm like, how the (laughs) fuck did I end up here? You know? And I think just the curiosity for further shenanigans in my life keeps me going. Because, like, who knows who I'm going to meet? Who knows what, where I'm going to go, what I'm going to see, what I'm going to do? And, like, as shitty as this universe is, it's also very interesting, the things that can happen. Like... Last year, yeah, yeah. No, no, uh, last year I traveled by myself for the first time and I went to Vancouver. So it's not like I went super far or anything. Mm. And I was like, you know what? 
I want to go to a Kinbaku salon. I want to see some people get tied up. So I went thinking that it was just like a performance. It ended up being like an actual orgy. And I was like, excuse me, sirs, ma'am. I didn't uh, have a great night. (laughs) And it's just like. No, that's for me. We should have switched places. (laughs) I would have been in that bitch. That's incredible. (laughs) It was beautiful, though, seeing people tie themselves up and like the whole artistry of it. But when it got to like the interactive things, I was like. Peace out, homies. This was a great time. <laughs> I'm a head out. You left. <laughs> but it's just stuff. Yeah, stuff like that happens all the time. That's amazing. So things like that, like you just never know. That's, that's so true. I agree. I feel like that's what gets me back on Tinder all the time, which is such a small example. But like, you just never mm-hmm. know. The next swipe could be a, the person. And I think living life like that um, is really more reliable and reasonable yeah because you will always be interested and curious at Mm -hmm. things but not always happy or positive yeah and i guess you've had to learn that through being unwell Mm -hmm. but tell me as well do you think because i asked you about religion because i was just curious to to try place you Mm -hmm. um does your illness does it feel unfair is it unfair that you're unwell um, oh, that's a good question. I don't think I've ever thought about that. Mm. Um, I don't. I don't think it's unfair. Uh, like, just to give you a little background on like my whole religion thing, I grew up Pentecostal, and that was just like it's a lot of performance. The way I experienced yeah. it, and I was just like, y'all are crazy. <laughs> uh, and then I converted to Islam, mm. and I was like deep in it for a couple years. Uh, and then now I'm just like I've kind of eased back on participating in a community sense i just kind of read the books i have and i have conversations with people as they come up um but just seeing how many different ways a human being can struggle in this Mm. world it would be so self-absorbed i think for me to think that it's unfair that this is my challenge Mm. you know because if i was to wake up tomorrow and have a different problem the, I, it would still really suck, except I wouldn't have a lifetime of getting to a place where I can understand it. So I'd have to start from square mm. one, you know? So as challenging as, as it has been for me, I don't really see how it can be any different. And I, I don't really think it's unfair because literally everyone struggles, you know? Wow. And for me, you know how some people will say, oh, like, here's a really shitty example. A 16-year-old doesn't get a car, so they have a huge meltdown, and people are like, well, people are dying, people don't have food, all that stuff. But like in the in the scheme of emotions, it still manifests the same way as like if someone lost their mm. pet or like something mm. like that. Like it, the situation may be different, but the way we experience emotion is the exact, exact same. Speak on right? it. Speak on it. <laughs> no, but that's when I don't, I hate to minimize people's experiences. And I think that happens a lot on social media and I understand why it happens. But I will, I try not to take part in it because I know there's been some things that happened to me that seem really minute, yeah. but keep me in the trenches for like a whole week. That's you know, so like I could true. go to get a croissant. This, like, I, yeah, I could go to get like a baked good and it's not available, but it was the one thing keeping me know, going through the day and then I go it. home crying, you know? I just I don't like to minimize people's experiences because you never know how deep it really runs communication communication is a privilege not everyone can communicate what's going on in their heads oh a hundred percent that's so true I hadn't thought about that communication's a privilege 
right? But if the only thing is that you can't understand, which is why you can't have em- empathy, that is a problem of communication, you know? It's not yeah. a problem of their problem yeah. or their issue. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah. Dude, you're so wise. This was incredible. I'm obsessed. <laughs> this is so nice. Uh, is there one thing? Yeah. Ooh, okay. MacBook's dying. Please tell me. If there was, for folks mm. like me, who don't have any kind of illness, let alone mm. chronic illness, um, is there something that mm. we we should know? I mean, okay, everything you've said is something we should know. But what, is there anything else we yeah. should kind yeah, yeah. of know, take caution to, be sensitive to, understand here? I think it's really important with a chronic illness very often people will experience the symptoms before they even have the words to describe, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of the issues come from communication, mm-hmm. like I just said. So if you can just slow down, don't expect people to have the answers that you think would make everything make sense, because for them, it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense most of the time, you know, just slow down and listen. And if you don't understand, mm-hmm. say you don't understand. And then try to understand, like, it just, it's, it's constant communication that, that leads you to a place, like a good place with someone who has mm-hmm. chronic illness. You can't solve their problems because even they can't solve their problems. And if their health professional can't solve their problems, yeah. you ain't shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're just. You don't have the <laughs> and, and know your boundaries too. Because some people will overextend themselves mm-hmm. for the sake of friendship because their friend is sick or their friend has depression mm-hmm. or whatever, anything like that. Don't overextend yourself. Let Say no when you need to, even if they're in a bad place because you're mm. not the only person that they have. Thank you for that. You know, that's something I tell my friends a lot. Don't yeah. overextend yourself for me like because that makes no sense. Only yeah. breeds resentment. And that's a hard thing to come back oh, from. Man. Thank you so much, Alicia. Yeah. You have been amazing. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for this. Thank you. So I'm going to link Alicia's Instagram um, in the description box. Otherwise, the themes discussed here, I'm going to pose in our Facebook group. Um, so if anyone wants to discuss that further, please go to the Facebook group. Thank you so much, Alicia. This was so beautiful. You're incredible. You're incredible. This was amazing. Thank you, Makundwa. You don't know how many times you've like got me through listening to you in the shower, in the car. I'm sc- <laughs> yes, I'm screaming. I'm so glad. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you're welcome. How good was that? Yeah. My mind was perpetually blown. I think if you exist in this world and you're Mm -hmm. able-bodied, regardless of if you have friends or family members um, who have any kind of illness, this is so... That was such an important... It really was. ...discussion, right? It really was. I mean, you're... I just... I was feeling so stretched through the whole thing. Like, you know, my mind was just being stretched in different ways and... And just listening to that and really reflecting back on my own life. I think I'm I'm really grateful for the way that she's been able to move through um, life with her illness and has been able to articulate it um, and work through it for herself and been able to share it in a yeah. way to share it with us. Yeah. Um, because that is, I think, a unique perspective and very important perspective that I yeah I'm I'm just grateful for I mean she did say com- being able to communicate is a privilege that is true and yeah. I felt that with her as like the way yeah I remember as a kid just waiting for the day that my language skills could mm. articulate what was in my mind mm-hmm. and you reach an age where you do have a grasp on language or languages but still like there are levels to it as well yeah. to just being able to communicate and that's yeah 
I really loved what she said, what I understood about, because I asked her about intention and impact. Mm -hmm. If your friends offer you this kind of support, if they want to pray for you, et cetera, is it offensive Mm -hmm. when they offer these alternative medicines? Mm -hmm. And I understood her to say that you can't measure intention by its impact. Mm -hmm. And that's something I really agree with, that it might be a shitty result, but that doesn't mean the intention was. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to be said for being gentle with ourselves and other people about their intentions, which is what we discussed in the mm-hmm. last episode. But what I liked about it, um, in terms of that though, was that was how much it took both parties to come to the table. Um, the one being <laughs> the, the prayee and the one being prayed for, so to speak, or mm. just like, so, so even if, so I'm the one that wants to hold space for my friend, but that, um, the responsibility also is on me to, I think, to find out what is helpful and to not have an ego about it, like to realize yeah. who this is about um, yeah. and to truly just, yeah, and to listen to that, like to really genuinely listen to that. I love that. Yeah. Like actually making it common to ask. Yes. To be like, I can't intuit. I can't yes. be smooth about this and just know what you want. Like, you need to tell Correct. me how I can be of, of help. Correct. Of service. Correct. And I also felt that, like, listening to Alicia speak also made me want to think about what I struggle with and where I need assistance mm. um, and to be able to reach out to the people I need assistance from to be able to communicate how I want that assistance. I think, so for my own healing, she was saying that it, it is irritating or not irritating, it's a burden also to, to need to be able to communicate to, to her friends how she feels, but the outcome is better yeah. having done it. And I want to be able to do that for myself as well. So I found that very encouraging for me. A hundred percent. The most profound part of that interview for me yeah. was when she said, when I asked, well, what are you living for? Yeah. And I think that question came from, I just struggle with being down. Mm-hmm. I struggle existing in a down state mm-hmm. so much that I sometimes can't fathom what keeps people going mm-hmm. when they're unwell or unhappy half or most of the time. Mm-hmm. And to hear that it was curiosity, mm-hmm. it was just such a big aha moment. I know. Like more than anything, more than life being like really hard or really wonderful, it is just interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can pursue that forever. Like you're curious, yeah. like what's around the corner. Yeah. You just never. What trouble can I get into tomorrow? What tro- as she said. <laughs> as she what said. What trouble can I get into tomorrow? Literally. I love it. Fantastic. That was a great one. Mm. Okay, for our next interview. So it's Misha now. And um, I think we should just jump right into it. Yeah. Misha is discussing just her perspective as a Christian and mm-hmm. a, um, a healthcare practitioner, how she holds space and wants space to be held. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Okay, so we have got Misha on the other line. Misha is a poet and a friend. She's been on podcast episodes before, which we'll link. We'll also link a a link to her work and her Instagram account so you can check out more uh, of what she does. But Misha has a really interesting perspective about how to be, to be like, to acknowledge and hold space for your friends. Um, But especially when you're somebody of faith, so Misha, I just wanted to ask you, I'm a spiritual person and you are, you're both spiritual and religious, correct? Mm. Yeah, I guess you could yeah. frame it that way. Yeah. Um, 
And so you had talked about how I had said that because I'm spiritual, it's so much easier to comfort my spiritual friends than it is to comfort my non-spiritual and non-religious friends. Um, but you had a different opinion. So can you just reiterate that? Um, yeah, so I think, I don't know if it's necessarily different, but I think what I was saying is that since I've become a Christian, like it's more difficult for me to sit with like people's suffering, if that makes sense, because there's like this, this whole idea, right, that there's going to be healing and there's miracles. So it's kind of like, if I'm faced with that now, then I kind of feel like the the thing to do is like to pray against it and to command the pain away, command the suffering away, rather than mm-hmm. like to be with it and um, to just really seek to bring like a sense of ease for the person. Um, mm. And then I was just thinking about, well, is it is it possible to hold both things at once, right? So to hold the the faith that actually you you can potentially be healed against or hope there is potentially a space for miracles like can that be held at the same time as accepting the situation and that's kind of where I'm at at the moment and does it differ I mean when you comfort or hold space for your Christian or religious friends does that look different is it is it well easier or more familiar how does it differ yeah I think it depends on the person because there are there are some people that are very much like I'm ill but I'm going to get better because mm. there is no other option because yeah, you know yeah. any kind of disease any kind of illness is not from God therefore I will get better so it's kind of like supporting them looks like affirming that if that makes sense whereas yeah. some other people are, are more kind of accepting of it or they don't see it necessarily in that way so then supporting them just looks like you know who are both christian and yeah accepting of their ailment okay yeah so then supporting them kind of looks like just wow. generally supporting um in prayer um and just encouraging them i guess in whatever way sharing scriptures or just just being there as a person i guess but i guess the 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 focus is a bit different depending on the person and so your friends who have who like live alongside their their ailments why do you know why they've accepted like why aren't they why aren't they hoping that they can that can change mm. when they're religious do you know why or why would you or why do you yeah. have any answers or any like experience <laughs> of that of like why does that happen I mean for it's so difficult there's this this girl that I met and she was literally holding like um like a workshop about this she um had I think she had like some kind of muscular condition so she as uh, a wheelchair user and she was talking about how you know when she goes into church his people will be like oh let me pray for you let me heal you and then she's like no like don't touch me go away like I'm fine kind of thing and I guess I guess maybe for her it's kind of like she's maybe prayed those prayers already and she's just come to accept that this is this is how she is and she kind of sees it as you know God didn't make a mistake in that sense and yeah that's just how she's meant to live 
And she's okay with that. That's interesting because I also feel like they, okay, my belief system is that there are no mistakes in my life. Mm. Um, and it doesn't matter because I, I kind of don't have like a central, or I don't really conceive of a central creator that much. So for me, it's not that my problems have no, it's not that my, my problems have a design or no design I just choose to see them in a way that like benefits me so mm-hmm. I don't know what the actual I don't know how they started but I know how I'm going to perceive them but that's difficult because with friends so I have nearly no spiritual or religious friends I might have two or three so all of my friends are on the other side mm-hmm. and a lot of them don't see their suffering as something to they don't conceive of having a different outlook or see it as designed. They see it just as a shitty circumstance. Mm. And when something's a shitty circumstance, when it's when you believe it's just chance or just because life's like that, um, I struggle to understand what they hold on to to help them cope. And because I can't relate, I don't really know how to be there for them because that's just not how I see any kind of suffering. Mm. And so it's just something I really struggle with, like how how people who don't have faith in anything necessarily, like faith isn't a concept they have in life. Like life is, that's just not a thing about how they manage. Um, And I I would so much prefer to not have those worlds intersect. Like I'd really much prefer not to have to learn how to be around or be there (laughs) for people who have different belief systems because it's such a stretch for me. Yeah. But I just wonder if, for example... I mean, have you ever felt, do you think it can be dismissive to say you'll pray for somebody? Sometimes. I think so, yeah. Especially if there are like very practical things that you can do and should be doing. Um, I think sometimes people say, yeah, I'm going to pray for you as a way to kind of avoid the responsibility of taking um, a specific action or of confronting the situation or just like listening to it because I think it comes from that you know you were talking about this kind of desire to want to fix things Mm. like rather than like sit with it and be in it like prayer is a way that you can sit with it and be in it um but there's another sense where it can be a way to avoid it um so yeah I do I do think sometimes it it becomes that and do you think wanting to fix things is that selfish or is that loving that's a good question. <laughs> huh. I want to say both. I want to say both. But I guess sometimes it's like you want to fix things so that you can ease your own uncomfortability. Yeah. And then that's that's when it's selfish. But then sometimes it's genuinely like, you're, I don't want this person to have to suffer like this. That's so interesting. I just think like with religion, just remembering how some of my people have translated Christianity to me has been some people's belief is that disease and unwellness, as you were saying, I think a friend said, or it's not necessarily of God. That's one belief system. Mm -hmm. And so some people feel that when you're unwell, that's not the status quo. Like that's not a normal state to be in. There's something to fix. Whereas other people feel like, no, Um, because I'm an organism just like if we take a batch of 20 some will be oblong and some will be 
you know, some will be taller, some will be shorter, some will have a, yeah. th- a, a niggle here or there. And that's just life. Yeah. And I wonder if being able to support friends is about understanding their belief system first mm. to inform how you support them. But then also, should you really compromise? If my friend's belief system is to not have any hope or expectation of things changing and that fundamentally goes against mine, I just wonder who, what takes precedence there. Mm. I think you like can... Like if I should compromise. I think you can be respecting of it, but I think so. I think what I was also saying in in the in the message, right? If you have a friend that doesn't see any hope, you know, for recovery, but you hold that hope, like I don't think the necessary thing to do is to put that aside because your friend doesn't have the hope. I think it's just to express it in different ways. So like, um. Maybe it's not, you know, going in every day and telling them you're going to recover and this is going to be totally awesome for you one day. But maybe mm. it just looks like doing um, small things that you can each day that, I don't know, help to ease the pain or the suffering in a mm. way that, you know, in a way that kind of says I'm helping you to live through this because I hope that, you know, in the future it's going to look different. Like I'm helping you through this to a different end if that makes sense yeah interesting and what are the ways in which you've been helped in the past um that you haven't appreciated that i haven't appreciated yeah that might have been offensive or not or inconsiderate if, if there have been any um i don't know if there have been any i don't really have any hmm any ways that the people have helped me that I haven't appreciated at the time? Mm. Um. I do wonder if, I do wonder if it's offensive to offer to pray or hold like spiritual space for somebody who just doesn't have that belief system. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I offer it sometimes to people, but if they don't want it, like I say sometimes to my dad, right? So my dad has <laughs> a leg condition and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, can I pray for your leg? And he's like, no. And I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay and sure. do you respect that? Yeah, so I'm just like, okay, that's, that's, yeah. That's actually, so it's that simple. I might do that then. I might just, I mean, the worst, I mean, if you ask, you'll get an answer and then that's that. It doesn't have to be... I think I've always let it feel like an elephant in the room for me. Mm. Um, but I don't think it has to be. I think I can just ask people, this is the ways I like help myself. Can I do it for you? And if they're like, nah, it's a bit weird. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I think that's, I don't know. I guess, yeah, that's that's the way to do it, hey? And then just yeah, otherwise just, just be there and ask, you know, how else can I support you? So I guess one example that comes to mind if you're asking me like how have I been supported that I haven't appreciated I don't know if I haven't if I've had that example but like a couple of months ago I was super depressed actually I watched the Joker and I ended up feeling suicidal which is an interesting kind of thing Mm. (laughs) but like my friend was with me at the time and he was like I'm gonna come to your house and just be with you and I was literally like all over the place mm. and in my head I was all over the place and he was li- he literally just sat there 
and he was like, I'm just gonna be here with you. And he tried, he tried a bunch of things first. He was like, okay, um, let's try to do like mindfulness. <laughs> um, let me hug you. Let me pray. And then he was like, you know what? I'm just going to be here. And oh my God. That's so touching. Yeah. That's incredible. Can you give a masterclass? <laughs> we need this. I need this. I mean, that's it. So he was just present. Literally. I need to talk to, I like for him not to make it about him. Oh my God. I just don't know if I would have managed. I think the times I've just been there for people, it's been after being exhausted at it's the silence is exhaustion at not knowing what to do rather than holding space. Mm. And I think hearing the idea that trying to fix things is actually like just selfishly motivated and really taking away from the point that you know you need to be present for the person who's suffering it's just such a shock but that's such a beautiful example of what that can look like is really just surrendering your desire to have things fixed immediately in these mm. kinds of ways mindfulness all the ways you know how and actually being present and receptive to what somebody is responding to and what they what they need if they can communicate that mm. which is incredible. i think part of it is like so what's coming to mind is like how much of your ability to do that is dependent on your ability to like be with your own suffering? <gasps> Bitch. Oh my God. Don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. Fuck. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, that's. Oh fuck. That's intense. That's true. Yeah. Cause when I think about it, I really don't give myself space. And so I get really up, not offended, but. I don't give myself the space to mourn or to sit in my sadness. So when it's asked of me, it's just really shocking. I'm like, well, I don't even get that. Like, how can you? Yeah. And Which I, I think, so that, uh-huh, yes. I was going to say, and I wonder if for like spiritual or religious people, like that is what might make it difficult to sit with that because if it's yourself, your first kind of thing is like, oh yeah, I'm going to fix this or God's going to fix this or I'm going to pray. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to reach in my spiritual toolbox (laughs) and fix this situation. Yeah. Rather than just to kind of be in it. Oh, man. That's incredible. Thank you so much. (laughs) Oh, I've got to go think about that. Um, Yeah. Me, even, myself. You too, yeah. (laughs) Gosh, yeah. Mm. There's a lot to go think about. I need to go talk to every single one of my friends and figure out... Like, I just never, it was, ne- I just never considered that I could also just ask people what they needed. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's never looked like that model of support by like actually asking rather than prescribing has never been one. I've just not seen examples of that, but yeah, I'm learning. Yeah. I guess it's important as well if they're like different, um, I don't know, different backgrounds, different faiths and stuff. Yeah. Because you want to be respectful. Mm. at the same time because like when I I think I was saying to you I used to work in this brain damage um unit and there was this Mm -hmm. guy there and literally my job was to sit in the room with him for 12 hours and he would literally just be in the room in pain for the whole day and like that's that's literally Mm. where I learned how to sit with it because I couldn't do anything there was nothing I could do I could only just sit here and watch you be in pain 
and but what were you feeling like did you have to zone out what's going on in your mind are you completely like in emotional turmoil like what's the journey of that from hour one to hour 12 from day one to day 12 like how does that work yeah I think it's different on different days like there's a point where you you do accept it and it's kind of like this is his reality right now and I guess for me it's always like this is your reality right now but it doesn't mean it's your reality forever and Mm. I don't know if that's that's what I mean I don't know if that's necessarily helpful but it's it's helpful for me to to manage my own discomfort and I feel like it's helpful in the way that I relate to you because I'm not you know I'm not kind of apathetic I'm not um what is the right word I'm not kind of in despair do you know what I mean I'm, mm. I haven't kind of climbed so much into your suffering with you that I'm now kind of useless mm. I'm kind of just like this this is whack yo and <laughs> it hurts like sometimes it's like I literally watch him and cry so like I don't know what to do and another day other times we'll be like okay let's I'm gonna share this with you I listen to the song um let me read this thing and yeah I think he was he was from like a Buddhist background as well so I would talk about that stuff with him Mm. and just just be there and sometimes I'd be like can can I pray (laughs) and I think that was like the first time I really struggled with this thing because I was like god I've been praying for this boy to be healed and he is not healed he's not so what are you doing what's going on (laughs) that's something I also wanted to touch upon is that I think there's a burden it's really interesting how if you believe that once all that's humanly and physically possible has been done to alleviate your situation that you can turn to either inwards to a power within you or outwards to a god or both and that they can perform miracles and that they can do things that they can that energy can stretch beyond the bounds of human imagination and and change your life state and your mm. situation. That's an immense amount of pressure as well. Yeah. If you believe that somehow you've been told not to walk, but you can because there's a power that can do that. <laughs> but what it requires is total conviction mm. or for some people, the literal amount of hours they clock in with their um their intentionality and their prayer or how many people you rally around you if it's that's an immense amount of pressure yeah definitely and And I I wonder who's better off like somebody believing they really can't change and it's not either or but if you really believe you can't if if you've told you you can't walk and then you don't if that's more (laughs) of a relief than believing you can despite being told you can't and that the power though lies within you not just wanting to be different but like a bit more activity in terms of faith like mm-hmm. an, an exercise in faith. Yeah, it's. I think it is like a, a massive sense of responsibility. I think that's what I was um, getting at before. It's like, how do you, how do you, if you are a person of that kind of faith, right? How do you hold that responsibility and at the same time hold the acceptance of the situation? Mm. And I was really like, I was really thinking about it because you know there are you hear these stories where like people genuinely are healed. And you're just like, bruv, yeah. what? How? Literally. And then other people and then it's like, are okay, not. Wait. They're not. Yeah, I want some of that. 
Like what? How did you pray? How were you sitting? Honestly. Because I <laughs> the formula. And in that same place. And then sometimes with no, prayer, on. it's really interesting because sometimes like the times so i do a mixture of chanting and praying um chanting from nishiran buddhism i just chant the chant so but i also pray mm. and the times where i've been the least structured just like incredible transformations have happened in my life yeah. and the times where i've been the most like had the most fervor mm. crickets Mm. And it's really interesting and constantly trying to chase the perfect formula for how, yeah. like, how do I set intentions? How, how are you supposed to think and sit and like what time of day? It can really become, <laughs> I think there can be an obsessiveness about the format. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think funnily, a lot of people who have, um, I, get, I mean, this, I don't know if this is a correct observation, but sometimes I find people who have an informal conviction and faith without the the rituals that we put around them can see so much more transformation because yeah. it's such a direct line to yeah. that like source than when we just put so many just rules around and belief systems around how it works. Yeah, definitely. This is interesting. It is. Mm. <laughs> what happened to this this boy in the end? He died. Oh, jeez. Yeah. From... The brain injury. Yeah. Yep. He did. But it like, that whole thing taught me a different kind of faith, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know if you saw, but I was talking about it at, at some point on my story because, so he moved from the unit that I was on into a hospice. And mm. so this is also where like my spiritual optimism comes in and... <laughs> This is like an example of maybe when it's not helpful because obviously in a hospice, you're going there to die, right? So mm. they don't feed you. And I was telling my mom this. What? Yeah, they, they didn't, didn't feed him because his body's dying in it. It's just, it's like to ease the process. And so I was telling my mom that and she was like, she had, had the same reaction as you. And I was like, yeah. no, but it's basically like his fasting. So <laughs> his body and his spirit is just oh. being prepared like it's okay and in my head that's just how like things are all the time which is maybe not necessarily the most helpful thing to communicate like yeah yeah it's just like his fasting don't worry but like yeah but that is so hectic what was his emotion what was his what his thoughts on all this like what mm. was his life state his it's a good question but he could was he a buddhist he couldn't he couldn't speak so we don't know oh my god yeah, so it was because of his because of the injury, the brain injury. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, but what? Oh my god! But there was like a point in there where, so he had moved into this hospice, and so I was at home. I was asleep. It was like two a.m. and then like I woke up, and then I felt like God was telling me to pray for him, and I was like, "Bro, what?" So I like prayed <laughs> for like an hour, and then afterwards. I felt like God was telling me to go to the hospice. And I was like, God, it's 3 a.m. Like, I can't just turn up. That's weird. Like, I can't just turn up <laughs> in this place. And yeah. But I just felt like I had to go. So I went and I got there. And then this nurse was like, oh, have you come for bedroom 14? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, that was his bedroom. And I went in and, like, there were all these people there, but everyone was asleep. And I just kind of sat and he was awake and he was looking at me. 
So I just started like talking to him and I was like, I don't know what else to do. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pray. Cause I feel like that's what I'm here to do. <laughs> um, mm. and I don't even remember what I prayed for. I think I prayed that he would just surrender because in his face, it was kind of like he was holding on. And then mm. it, I just kind of felt like to tell him like, it's okay if you let go, like you haven't failed kind of thing. And I had to like oh. reconcile that in myself as well. Yeah. And then in the morning, um, his mom was like, oh, the doctor said that he was going to die yesterday. Um, so I called everyone and I was like, you called everyone, but you didn't call me, but me, I'm here. <laughs> Me, um, something in the spirit you called should. me, and me, I'm here. I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. And then, so he didn't die that day, but the next day I was at work and I felt like again that I should pray. So then I started praying again and I was just like, I don't know, just pray for surrender. Like that he would just surrender to God in whatever that looks like. Cause I'd kind of got mm. to a place where I was like, okay, God, yeah, <laughs> either heal him or, or take him. Like that's it. Yeah, and it was kind of like um, this bit in the Bible before we see Jesus goes to the cross, and he's like, "Okay, God, if you can take this cup for me, then take it. Otherwise, let's roll." So it's kind of Ooh. it's kind of like that. <laughs> like if you can heal him, then do it. Otherwise, you know. Um, so then, yeah. So then I prayed, and then like an hour later, someone came to me and told me that he had died an hour ago, like when I was praying. Man. And I was like. God, I don't understand. <laughs> I understand. So I feel like it taught me it taught me a different kind of faith because I was kind of like wanting him to be I thought I had to like pray for his healing. But yeah. I clearly wasn't that wasn't what I was meant to do, if that makes sense. Mm, it does. Yeah. So it's all weird, man. But <laughs> I kinda learned how to be more present in that situation yeah that's that's incredible that i have to sit with that one that's yeah do you this is such a big question and i i mean i don't i don't expect an answer but don't do you ever wonder why and if so why why do some people suffer so much and others don't? Like, do you ever wonder, well, why not me in that place? Or, mm. like, why? Why would a young person... Why? Why? Like, why? Why, indeed. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer. I feel like everyone has... Like, if you... Every single, like, tradition has an answer that it can give to you for that, right? And it's kind of like... I feel like accepting one is is just not sufficient mm, no, it's not. there's this um in this book um conversation with god with god it, it asked that question and it's like why are some people like healed and some people not and um their response is you know for some people that's just not part of their process and i'm just like bro Ooh. like i feel that yeah it's like oh my god yeah but oh. then I'm like, me, I don't know what their process is. So I'm going to yeah. try to hold space for both. Yeah. So the possibility of healing and miracles and divine stuff, but also the possibility that you just have to endure and persevere this. And I'm going to yeah. try to, I don't know, be open to both in your life because I don't want to 
shut down a possibility that I like I don't know what your process is I don't know the answer and just yeah bro Misha thank you so much (laughs) that that's incredible thank you thank you for sharing all of that yeah even me I feel like I need to just go and sit I know I just think Hisha for more information on what Misha does and her incredible words, please look at the description box of this episode. We're going to link her poetry and her Instagram page. So just go have a look. And um, thank you. Thank you, Misha. Really appreciate this. I loved that interview. <laughs> She's the best. Oh I love, I think it's such a satisfying answer. Yeah. Um, that she gave from conversations of God that some people's path is through suffering Mm -hmm. because I I try to make sense of it so much at why me or why them Mm -hmm. and it's um it's not it's a redundant question but it's so um it's just pertinent and it's like a never-ending correct and we all have that at like some point in our lives why us like why did you have to take this person away from me or why is this person gone why not this other person Mm -hmm. I love that. It just put me at ease. Mm. Um, I really liked. So I think the questions I'm left with to ask myself just generally are as a spiritual person, is it defeatist to accept suffering and illness or is it just, can you integrate it as part of your journey and that there are no mistakes? Where do you fall on the spectrum? You as the listener, let us know in the, the Facebook group. I'm curious. Um, is your pain a mistake or intentional? Like, what do you think? What's your belief system? Uh, and whose fault would it be? If you believe in God and a devil or an evil, uh, e- evil, then who, who sanctioned this? Who sanctioned the drama in your life? Is wanting to fix, this was an interesting one, is wanting to fix your loved one's problems selfish or loving? Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think it's selfish. I think it's definitely selfish. I know that my loved ones, all the things that I want to be right are all for me. It's so that I can stop worrying, so that I can know they're okay, so that I can, so that they're happy according to my standards, so that I can perceive them as being happy. Like it's, I'm not listening to them saying, no, bitch, I'm happy in my isolation. I'm like, no, no, no." you know what I'm saying? It's, or yeah, it's definitely. Is that genuine? Is that like an example of your life that someone's fine with this situation, but you are the one? Yeah. Yeah. Hectic. Yeah. And they're fine with the situation by, by not changing it, by having what I call, what I think are different options presented to them very clearly and very clearly them choosing the other way. Mm. Um, yeah. But I selfishly want, what do you think? Wait, but so do you have more, having identified that in yourself, Yeah. do you have any more empathy on understanding for people who do that to you, who want more for you, want you to no. have a bigger job, different body? Different lifestyle, different... No, no. Until this moment, I'd never thought about it that way. Um, I am the victim. And um, I just That's never... how it shall remain. <laughs> <laughs> Me mm-hmm. on my soapbox will be the victim. Uh, yeah, I'd never connected the two. I think also because I, I don't know how to deal with it from there. But I think maybe accepting it will help me. Because I don't, I don't know then how to communicate. That's your dream for me, but not my dream for me. Oh, you, but you can't just say that? Now that I've said it, I think I can. But I hadn't thought about it before, no. Uh, do That's you think... Interesting. I mean, if you have dreams for someone else um, that are w- w- different from what they have consistently expressed, yeah. what do you think? Is that selfish or loving? Um, no, no, dreams. Okay, I think dreams and... Um, Wishes. Fixing problems. Yes. 
So if I if I could divide them, okay, okay. Sometimes they're the same thing. I don't. Oh well, because there's a difference in. An, so for me, for so healing, yes. if I want if I want to fix somebody, yeah. Um, for me, it's both. It is selfish. From the perspective of wanting my own pain to end, like Misha said, um, but also in their interests, I want their pain to end for them. So I think it's both. Um, and I won't stop, mm-hmm. mind you, unless unless somebody didn't want to heal, that's fine. But if they did, I wouldn't stop holding that for them and wanting them to heal too. Holding if they that. did want to heal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If they didn't, then... Girls and gays, don't say we don't bring it for you every time. <laughs> Uh wow. Misha, Alicia, thank you. Oh, this is beautiful. Poetic. Please join our Facebook group. There is, there is so much to discuss about these episodes. So I'll be putting up prompts. I feel like I've said that and not done, but I will put up prompts because I do want to hear from people about this. Um, also, send us some money. If you like this episode, tip us. That money will go to the COVID relief fund for anyone who's affected, uh, any listeners who are affected mm-hmm. by COVID-19 financially. Uh, we will send that to them. And if you're in a, if you are a listener affected by COVID-19, reach out. Yeah. Just holler. Tell us what you need mm. at Hey, H E Y I Swiss, I S W I S at gmail.com. That's where you can reach us. And that's where you can donate money via PayPal. Otherwise, stay blessed, stay moist. Bye, loves. Bye, bye.